welcome to the Unstuck Your Life podcast. I'm your host and life coach, Pamela Hughes. Every week, we're going to start to wiggle loose in area of your life that has got you stuck. You know, you've heard me talk time and time again about the most important relationship you're ever going to have is the relationship you have with yourself. If you're a client of mine or if you've been listening to this podcast for any length of time, you know that I talk so much about that. Wherever you go, there you are. So like, let's start there. But I also recognize that, you know, we as humans, we need connection. We need other people in our lives. We need relationships with other people. So, you know, a few weeks back, I talked to a good friend of mine, Crystal Hansen, about marriage, right? About the intimate relationships we have. And you don't have to be married to get value out of that podcast. If you have a partner, boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever it may be. That kind of relationship can be so rewarding and fulfilling and yet equally as challenging. And so if you missed that episode, I invite you to go back and check that out. I believe, let me take a look here. That was episode 78 and I'll link it for you in my show notes if you missed any of that. But the relationship with yourself, the relationship with your partner are both really important. But you know what? There's another relationship out there, and it's a relationship that many of us, especially as moms, place above ourselves and place above our partner. Right or wrong, that's up to you, but I think a lot of us do that. And that is the relationship we have with our kids. And so I wanted to talk about that because we as parents have such an impact on our kids and we take that job super seriously, but sometimes we struggle with it. A lot of times we struggle with it. I have one daughter, her name is Riley. She's about to be 13 and I'm getting into that teenage phase. Our relationship is starting to change. And that's why I wanted to invite my good friend, Kristen Goodman on the Unstuck Your Life podcast because Kristen coaches as well, but she coaches parents of teens. And I know so many of you have teenagers out there and might be struggling. There's a lot of frustration involved. I mean, a lot of us hear how, at least I say us, you know, I've got a tween right now who's going to become a teenager soon. And we hear about how this phase is the hardest phase and it's so challenging. And well, I know that there's a part of that that's true because there's hormones and everything changing. I don't subscribe to the belief that it has to be that hard. And I believe Kristen feels the same way. So I wanted to invite her on the program and we're going to have a talk about how to parent your teen with less struggles, with less challenges. And you know what? Have some fun with it because my goodness, they're your kids. And like I said, we have such an impact on them. So Kristen Goodman, welcome to the Unstuck Your Life podcast. Hello. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be on your podcast, talk about parenting teens. And I love everything that you said and totally agree with you that parenting our teens can be so much fun. And I also think that maybe what makes it hard is the fact that when we parent our younger kids, it's so much easier to control them or find joy in them because they like us and they want to be around us. And then when they grow into that teenager, all of a sudden it's changing. And so I think that can be actually hard because we don't want them to change. We want them to stay little. We want them to keep liking us and we want them to do what we want them to do and listen. But then the natural 
I think, uh, transition into that adult stage and for them to separate and become their own person, they have to push back and they have to change and grow and develop. And that can be hard as a parent. Yeah. Maybe that's the spot that's hard for parents to accept. But once you accept that and then it's not a problem, like you said, it really doesn't have to be hard. It's just part of raising teenagers and it can't, okay. then it can get fun. It is changing. It definitely is changing. Kristen, I can see how like when Riley was little and totally loved me and wanted to snuggle, that was, that was easier, but there were different challenges. But when there, when there was a challenge, I could just scoop her up and take her wherever I wanted to go. But right. now as a teenager, you, you can't just do that. And she's becoming her own person. And I keep going back to how like I pushed back at my parents. I had to become my own person. My relationship with my parents changed from when I was in elementary school to teenager to an adult. Like my relationship with them is different. Of course, this is the natural progression of life. But how do you open parents up to the idea that it doesn't have to be a struggle when you realize that this is a very normal thing that their son or daughter is going through? Yeah, good question. I think always going back to the relationship, how do you want your relationship to be? How do you want to feel about your teenager? How do you want them to feel about you? That will open you up to a more loving space, I think, than needing to control them. So if you need to control them and they don't want to be controlled, you're going to have a power struggle. You're going to argue. It's going to feel like a fight and no one wins. It feels terrible. But if you can let go of the need to control them and allow them to be their own person. And that doesn't mean that you don't have boundaries or expectations, right? You still have those boundaries and expectations, but you also are okay with them pushing back, making mistakes, not listening, you know, and then having a plan for when they do that. So it doesn't feel like something has gone wrong. Either you have failed as a parent or your child is failing as a teenager and they're going to have a terrible life because of it. I think the story that we have in our mind about what could happen or how we should have, you know, if we would have done it differently, then we would have prevented something from happening. That story is really what creates so much drama for us as parents. Yeah, that story, we we tend to take one situation and spin it into you know, they're going to end up living in my basement for the rest of their lives. It's like, yeah. it's amazing how we can go from, you know, they got a, a C on a test to they're going to live in my basement for the rest of their lives. When right. we just kind of look at the fact of the situation, they got a C on a test. Okay. How do I want to show up in this situation? What do I want this relationship to be? And what I hear you saying is like the, the amount of power we have as parents, it's not about controlling the teenager or your child, but it's about like owning your power and how you show up in that relationship and what you're willing to do and what you're not willing to do. So when we talk about parents and that power struggle that is so common, what advice do you offer parents to like take a couple steps back and not get into that tug of war? Yeah. So the first step I think is noticing. And like you would say, just having an awareness of how are things right now? What is your current situation? What are you dealing with and how are you feeling about it? What are your thoughts about it? Nothing has to change right now. Everything is just as it should be because that's the way it is. So just having 
just starting to notice, okay, how am I feeling about my teenager? How am I talking to them? What energy am I bringing to conversations? Am I always questioning them? Always suspicious, always um, having an agenda. I notice this sometimes with my own kids. I'll always, I'll have an agenda. So I think, okay, every time I see them, I'm asking them questions about if they've done this, if they've done that, how's that going? Instead of just really trying to connect with them and getting to know them and just being present with them without any expectation of having that agenda, you know, where if someone has an agenda with me, every time I see them, I'm going to avoid them too. So I'll just start noticing, is my teenager trying to avoid me or walking out of the room when I come in? Why is that? Am I always, you know, questioning them or grilling them on something? Then that could be part of it. So then I can backtrack, you know, to take my part, own it. What can I do to rectify it? Have that conversation. One of the feelings that I like to get to that will help once you start noticing is curiosity. Just getting curious about what you're making things mean that are making you feel terrible or what could your teenager be thinking and feeling? And just getting curious will help open your mind up to new ideas of ways you can connect with them, things you can say to them. You know, it's that curiosity that does open you up to so much, to awareness and possibility. Because I think as parents, a lot of times what we get stuck in is like the all or nothing, the right or wrong, the black or white, it's this or that. And if this is right and that is wrong, there's no room for discussion. If it's either this or it's that, then there's kind of like a stalemate. But when you can open yourself up to curiosity and be like, okay, well, why is it this? Or why do I want it to be that? And you Mm -hmm. start to notice all of that story that you talked about developing in your brain and, and recognizing sometimes that that doesn't serve you. That doesn't help you. It just creates a lot of trouble. And I yeah, think that and anxiety. Like, yeah. Right. Like when you're like, oh my gosh, this is, it's either all right or all wrong. Then it's very anxiety inducing because then you have to be responsible for fixing it. It's a problem and you have to correct it. And then your child, your child or teenager is like feeling on the defense and, and they're going to react in that way. I, I, you know, when you said fixing it, I think that that is an important thing to discuss because I find myself even doing that at times. So this has been kind of like a, a push and pull tug of war I've had internally with myself as a parent, not just right now as she's becoming a teenager, but even as a child, it is that wanting to swoop in and fix it for them. Because, you know, I don't know about your parents, but, you know, my parents would always say, this hurts me more than it hurts you. Or my mom would, when I would get sick, my mom would be like, you know, I wish I could just take the sickness from you and take it for myself. And when I was little, I was like, girl, what are you talking about? You know, come on (laughs) now. You don't, you don't want chicken pox. Come on. But now as a parent, I get it. We don't like to see our kids in pain. Now, whether that be physical pain because they sprained an ankle or they have the chicken pox or whether that be emotional pain because they didn't get invited to the birthday party or win this student council election or make the team, whatever that like emotional pain is, a lot of times 
when our children are in pain, our emotional well-being gets wrapped up in that as well. So when you start to see parents who are in that, like, I want to fix it, I want to fix it, I want to fix it because I don't want them to feel this pain because when they feel this pain, I feel this pain. Yes. Like, what do you do to stop that cycle? Yeah. And again, it's like noticing that the cycle is there, that you're feeling anxious or sad or really worried because your, your child has experienced something that's making them sad or they're missing out on something. And it is hard. So it's acknowledging that it's hard and it's okay. And as a parent, as a mom, for sure, I'm going to feel that. I'm not going to coach myself to just being fine. Of course, I'm going to feel sad that they are experiencing something that is hard for them. But there's a difference when you're feeling sad because as a mom, you care about your child and and so it makes you sad. And then they, and then there's that next level where it's like, you've got to fix it. You're responsible for not making them sad because you don't want to be sad. Do you, know, do you know what I mean? So it's like accepting that things are hard and that doesn't mean it's a problem. So you can process that emotion. It is sad. But when you are sad because your child, because your child is sad, not because you care about your child and being a parent is hard and you're going to experience all the emotions, right? So it's like this acceptance of all of the feelings. But if you are sad, you're thinking because of what they are experiencing, you don't have any control over it. So it makes it so much harder. And then you're just adding more worry and sadness into their world instead of being that strong rock that they need. So that was really helpful for me when I learned that like, My child can worry or be sad and I don't have to be. And that coming from that place actually feels more loving and supportive for them than feeling like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm sad and worried because they're sad and worried. And that feels like the most loving thing to do because I'm feeling it. But when in reality, that's not the most loving thing. The most loving thing and what they really need is that confident parent that believes in them, that knows even though they didn't make the team or they're feeling left out or feeling sad they're going to be okay. And if I am sad and worried to the extent that I don't believe they're okay, that's on me to work through. Those are from my own thoughts that I need to coach through. And that's, that's the space I get to where I'm coaching parents so that they are okay, even when their kids aren't okay. Because if you can be okay, when your kid is not okay, you're in a much better position to support them and love them and be there for them, which is just going to help them so much more. Than if, you know, you're adding more worry and anxiety onto your child because, so then they're not going to talk to you. They're not going to come to you because they don't want you to be worried about them. Right. And, and, you know, I like the way that you just put that there because your kids are going to be sad and worried. It's part of life. And when you allow them to be sad and worried and you're there to support them with whatever they need and you don't add to it. It sounds to me, and and it it just makes sense the way that you were explaining it there, that you're kind of like giving them permission to be where they are without making Mm -hmm. it worse. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Because if you don't, if, if you're not giving them permission to be who they are and you're like, no, this is a problem. You shouldn't be sad. And they are sad. That's really confusing. Mm -hmm. Right. What's wrong with me? I shouldn't feel this way. And I think a lot of us, I think as parents, we can relate to that. If, you know, you know, if you're in your thirties, forties, fifties, whatever, listening to this right now, 
you know, a lot of us were raised with the, you know, rub some dirt on it, you know, don't cry, dry those tears. There's no crying in whatever, fill in the blank. And so we've really learned to push down our emotions and not share them. And I'm just speaking from experience because I used to do that a lot with my daughter. Like, I don't want you to see me cry. I, you know, I'm your parent and I don't want you to see me cry. So I would, I would go to my bedroom to cry, or I would go into the bathroom to cry. And I begun, I begun, I began to realize that what I thought was protecting her was actually doing her a disservice because when I was upset about something and allowing my emotions to be there and for her to witness it, like, you know, in a healthy way, Mm -hmm. it gave her permission to do the same. Oh, mom cries when, you know, this happens. It's okay for me to do the same. But if I'm running to my bedroom every single time or I'm avoiding it every single time, then that's what I'm teaching her. So I've begun to embrace the idea of like, I get moody. And, and when I get moody, I acknowledge it with her. And I'm like, hey, you know what? Mom's in a bit of a mood. You didn't do anything wrong, but like, just give me some space. And what that has allowed, and I've noticed over the years, Kristen, is she'll come to me and be like, mom, I'm in a mood. Nothing's wrong. I just, I'm annoyed. So just give me some space. And that kind of communication allows me to breathe and be like, okay, I don't need to fix anything and allows her to breathe and realize like, okay, I didn't do anything. Mom's not on edge because of me. And so talk to me about the importance of communication and, and, and maybe changing the way we communicate with our teens in order to have that connected relationship we all want. Yeah. And you said it so well to be able to articulate how you are feeling and then honor each other where they're at. That's, that's amazing for me. What, what really changed things for me, because I think as parents, we have so much influence when we learn how to communicate, when we stop judging the things that our child is saying, and we stop inserting our opinion every single time. I think that's, those are the two most important things is don't judge or add your opinion to everything that they say, even when you do have an opinion and you are judging it. There's, I can't remember where I read this, but by the time your child is 13, they know your opinion about everything. And I believe that. I think that's true. Really, we have raised our kids and they know how we feel about everything. So always telling them what you think, they already know they're going to tune you out. But if you stop telling them what you think, they're going to, you will see that they will come to you and they will ask you what you think. And I've seen it even with my older kids. My oldest is 19. When I started doing this with her, she was about 15. And I just felt like she was never opening up, never talking to me. And so I read the book, how to get your, how to talk. So, so your kids will listen and listen. So they will talk. And I started implementing some of those strategies of just listening and making listening noises. So you're not you're not even really asking questions. You're not engaging in a lot of conversation, but you're just listening and you're just going, oh, okay, you know, that's interesting or "Uh uh-huh or just like, "Mm mm-hmm, things like that where you're not even saying words. You're just actively listening. Tell me more about that, something like that. And then all of a sudden you will notice they'll just keep giving you information. They will keep talking. And I just started noticing that it was working when I stopped inserting my opinion, I stopped telling her how I felt about it, or, you know, they kept giving me more information. 
this is so good because it it's funny how like at least for me I don't want to project on other people but we think you know teenagers can be so difficult when in all reality they're just like little adults they're still figuring things out in the world but they're like these little adults and take your kids out of the equation if you just look at like any relationship that you have as an adult and if you are listening to someone instead of inserting your opinion your connection is going to be so much stronger and you're inviting them to be who they are without that judgment that you talked about and i think that like one of the tips and and tricks that that i use to reframe or to remind me to listen, not just to my daughter or my husband, but to anyone, is when I really want to feel connected and tap into that curiosity you talked about, it's reminding myself what's in their head is more important than what's in mine. I love that. Hearing what's in their head is so much more important than sharing what's in mine. And that allows me to be like, okay, tell me more. What, yeah. what happened there? okay, why do you think that happened? Instead of me sharing why I thought I happened, why it happened or providing my opinion. And this came up with my daughter, probably like in the, I don't, I don't know if it, it might've been this year. It might've been in the sixth grade. You know, I pick her up from school and, you know, you start peppering with the questions and, you know, she's talking, but I can kind of see her retreating. And then, you know, so I backed off and she started to share something that happened at school. And I immediately was like, in my mind, I'm like, I know what you need to do. I know how to fix mm-hmm. this. Um, this is what's going on here. And I started down that path and I saw her retreat again. Yeah, you can, was, you really can see it and notice it in real totally, time. It's so helpful. Totally. And I stopped and I just simply asked the question. I'm like, do you just want me to listen or do you want my help with this right now? And she's like, I just want you to listen. And that question right there has helped me in so many relationships. So I want to like offer it to to my audience right now. When you find yourself kind of in that like tug of war of like, I need to fix it or you're uncomfortable because you have these opinions or whatever it may be, but you want to connect. It's like, do you want me to listen or do you want help with this? And then whatever they, they tell you, like, do it, listen. Because a lot of times what you're saying, Kristen, and this is what I've experienced is, when, when Riley says, I just want you to listen. Okay. And I listen, I let her be where she's at and say what she wants to say without me trying to fix it. Eventually we get to the point where she's like, so what do you think? Right. And it's that space. It's that space to let people be where they are, whether they be your 19 year old, whether they be your 13 year old, whether it also like is your 10 year old, right? It's starting this at whatever age to give them the space to be where they are and, and, listening and connecting in that way. So that power struggle of knowing what's right and what's wrong and trying to fix it can show up in a lot of different relationships. But I'm curious with you, like when you're parenting or when you're parenting, when you're coaching parents, what are some of the biggest struggles and challenges that they're facing? The parents that I coach, I would say when they get triggered by something their child does, or going back to what we were just talking about, if they have never been listened to, they didn't have that modeled for them. You know, they didn't have a parent who listened to them or who allowed them to have opinions. 
and they felt like they had to do everything they were supposed to do. I think those two things are the hardest. So when you feel triggered and you have that automatic response, that feeling of anger or rage or whatever it might be, you know, and then the next step is, okay, we're, we're telling, I'm telling these parents just to listen and communicate with their teens, but then they didn't have that modeled for them or they were never listened to. That can be really tough, but I think it's an opportunity for growth. And that's where coaching is so useful because that's the space where I can help them. We process through those emotions that they feel when they didn't feel like they were given that space and they want to give their child the space, but then they don't know what that looks like. So that like that gets back to the different, like also I think generational parenting styles. We think right. about, you know, um, when, when I was a teenager, I didn't, I don't think life coaching really even existed at that point. Right. You know, it's, no. it's still this kind of like new idea. It's not new, but it's still relatively new. I mean, like in yeah. the eighties, nobody had a personal trainer for goodness sakes. Right. So true. But I now remember hearing it's like, about life coaching on Oprah. Right. Right. Like that right. was my first totally. <laughs> introduction and I was kind of like, okay. And then you're like, okay, wait, what's this? Like, do I really need yes. a, a coach for life? I mean, come on, yeah. that's ridiculous. Yeah. But then when you actually start stepping into this work and you realize, again, the power and control that you have when you, when you work on what's happening with you and, not, and stop trying to change everything and everybody outside of you and how things shift, that would be really powerful for parents. And it's something that our parents didn't have. Mm-hmm. And it's something that their parents didn't have. So it's like, when you know better, do better. So we have the opportunity to do better right now. But I'm curious, like in your opinion, what are some of the struggles that parents today are facing that like our parents didn't really have to face? Because I've got some opinions, but I'm curious as to what you yeah. might think be. Well, I, I think as parents, because we have so much access to information, you know, social media, we can compare to other parents. Our kids have access to so much information. They can see what other kids are doing. And so that can create a conflict when your child comes to you and says, so-and-so has this and this, and they're doing this. And the needs that we all want to give our kids, you know, everything that we can give them, but we also don't want to raise entitled children. We want them to work for what they have and be grateful And I think in the space we're in with social media and everything, it can be challenging to instill that work ethic and gratitude because everything is like instant gratification and there's always a screen. You can always scroll. So as a parent myself, I have to really check in with myself to not just go to my phone all the time. So I can set that example. I don't know. I'm kind of like speaking all over the place, but, but I think instilling the work ethic, gratitude, having those boundaries And then all of the noise around us and the world and the comparison and keeping our kids happy when they're not happy. But that's all the internal work too. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's, what's so fascinating in the idea that, you know, as a parent myself, you, you obviously are going to provide for your kid, but to what extent, you know, how easy are you going to make it for them? Because what I see a lot in where like, I'm the weird parent, and I'm okay with that. Like I'm weird in a lot yeah. of different ways. And I've just kind of, uh, I, I've kind of embraced that. I'm the weird parent that's okay with failure. Like I'm the weird parent that when, 
my child doesn't succeed, get what she wants, not like in a materialistic sense, but when she works hard for something and it doesn't turn out the way that she thought it should, I see the benefit in that. Sure, it hurts. It sucks to see her in pain, but I have a thought and, and, and I'm curious as to what you think. My goal is not to raise a successful 13-year-old. Like my goal is to raise a successful adult. And what does that mean to be successful? Yeah, well, that's like different that. for everyone, right? It's that gratitude. It is that resilience. It's that grit and that work ethic. Um, it doesn't equate to money in the bank or a house or a car or things along those lines. It's about being content and balanced and grounded in life. And part of that is failing and learning how to handle failure. And when your kid experiences disappointment and failure, that's going to happen. It's part of life. Welcome to being a human being. If I can allow her to experience that in my house, when I'm there to help her walk through it, so she has some experience with it as she moves on out of my house and into an adult, that is going to create that confidence that she can handle it. And mm -hmm. I think a lot of times, you know, when she was younger, I would protect her from that failure or try to fix the failure instead of just allowing it to be and, and, and getting curious back to that word you brought up, getting curious about what can we learn from this and what can we do different next time instead of making failure bad. I yeah. was raised that failure is bad. You don't want to fail. Failure is not an option. And again, this is changing necessarily how we were raised. And it wasn't even just how I was raised by my parents. It's just like a societal norm. Culture, right? Yeah. In, right. in like the eighties and nineties where you're like, no, but it's grit, it's grind. It's failure is not an option where it's now it's changing the perspective of failure and going, no, it's part of life. Like you're going to fail right up until the moment you succeed. So I'm curious mm -hmm. as to with your clients and the parents that you coach, the relationship they have with failure and mistakes and challenges and struggles and whatever the word is that you want to use, but how their relationship with that may evolve through coaching. Yeah. So, I mean, and like you said, with your experience, it's like when you think about the ways in your, the things in your life that have been hard, that you've struggled through overcome that have actually helped you made you into who you are it's not so scary to see your child struggle because you know, and that's where the trust comes in and that belief that you know that that struggle is going to make them stronger. And if you can believe that and, you know, you see the evidence in yourself, you believe that about your teen, then you can show up that supportive parent instead of, oh my gosh, this is a problem. We need to fix this. You can't fail. And you know what I mean? And then you're just adding more anxiety into their life, into your life. I love that. And I love what you said about not wanting to raise a perfect 13 year old because that just doesn't end. Like that is a mountain that doesn't ever, ever end. Then it's okay. How to have a perfect 14 year old, how to have a perfect 15 year old. It's always changing. And that's one of the challenges I think of teens too, is it's always changing. Once you think you've figured out something, it's like on to the next like, good job. You figured that part out. Now it's now we're going to throw a different curveball at you. And so it's always changing and it's okay. And it's okay. I like that. I like like dot, dot, dot. And it's okay. 
Right, right. Nothing has gone wrong. I really love going back to that. Nothing has gone wrong. It just didn't go the way you thought it would. Right, right. Yeah. And that's okay. And that's okay. And that's okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So, you know, well, I know that you have some tools and concepts of how to help avoid power struggles with your teens. Where can people go and get that from you? Because I, I know that you've got some, some information available for them. Yeah, thank you. So you can go to parentinginthemiddle.com and you'll be able to find that uh, three ways to avoid a power struggle. And so feel free to go there. I Parenting in the middle for me is that balance between that controlling parent, the very authoritarian parent and the very permissive parent that just doesn't know what to do and throws their hands up in the air. And, and I think just landing in the middle, and then sometimes you're going to fluctuate on either side of that too. But that middle space is where I like to land. Cause I think in that middle space, it's called authoritative where you have that communication, you have, you're consistent, you're thoughtful, you're communicating with your teens, and then you're just supporting and loving them. And you have uh, boundaries and expectations as well, because I will say when I first started coaching and learning the model, as you know, where you're learning, okay, your thoughts, create your feelings, circumstances are neutral. So if you have any coaches that follow you, they would know the model. Well, you can get to a place where you're like, okay, then you can become apathetic where then it's not a problem. Nothing's a problem. There are those feelings that are uncomfortable that you're going to have to get comfortable feeling as a parent your kid's going to be mad at you because you're enforcing a rule that's not comfortable. And you don't need to coach yourself to get to where it doesn't matter. If that makes sense. Totally makes sense. Totally makes sense. Like you're going to be uncomfortable and that's okay. And that's okay. I love that. I love that we have established (laughs) that little, it's so easy. It's such a simple phrase, but it's true. It really is true. Before we wrap up here, I just wanted to give you an opportunity. One, is there anything that like I haven't touched upon that is that comes up a lot in coaching or that like you have had thoughts on that you wanted to share? Um, I would just add, you know, when you are in that power struggle, so you're arguing with reality or you're arguing with your child to get yourself out of that power struggle is just to step back. Maybe you just need a moment, a timeout. It's okay to take that time and just say you aren't thinking clearly right now and you need, you need to take a break or you don't want to be talked to that way. You want to be calm when you have this conversation. So we're going to take a break. Anything like that to avoid that argument or that yelling, that negative, strong emotion. And then when you do come back, it's okay to apologize and to take ownership of your part in this. And then just be that parent that maybe you needed when you were younger or be that parent that you want to be to your child that you love so much. What would that look like? Uh, Just anything you can do to that power struggle is not going to serve you. So sometimes we can be hard on ourselves. If you do find yourself always arguing or feeling like you can never talk to your team, it takes time. It takes practice. It's seeing what works, what doesn't work. Allow yourself that time. You will see changes. And it's that willingness to try. It's that willingness to see what works and what doesn't. It's that willingness to get curious and try something different. But I also loved what you said as far as like, you know, kind of push pause, take a break, do a timeout, 
take the time that you need because you're not getting where you, you know you want to go and then own your role in it when you come back. You just imagine if as a parent, you're modeling that kind of behavior for your teen, what that will do for your teen and their relationships moving forward. Yes. And I have seen that with my kids as they've gotten older, where I have been in that place of, oh my gosh, nothing is working. It's all going wrong. And then you see that shift to, okay, things are okay. It's getting better and it's improving and, and they are smart and capable and, and it's all working out. So you will get there. Your parent, the parents that are listening will get there. And if parents that are listening want to learn more about you, where can they go to get that information? Yeah, they can go to kristengoodmancoaching.com. My website is there on Instagram. I'm at kristengoodmancoaching. And then if they want to get on my email list, they can go to parentinginthemiddle.com for my free guide on how to avoid a power struggle. And I will link all of that in our show notes, folks. So if you want to go and check out Kristen, which I would highly recommend that you do, you can find all that in the show notes as well. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on. I love talking to you. This is so great. And I think that you've just opened parents' eyes up to what's possible in their relationships with their teens, as well as, I mean, like, again, we talked about it bleeds over into everything that we do. So if you focus on this area of your life, it is going to impact so many other areas as well. Yes. Well said. Thank you. All right. Well, folks, that's what I have for you this week. I'll see you next. Listen, if you're still feeling a little stuck and need a little help right now, wiggling loose, I got you. I put together a guide, a free guide to help you feel better right now. These are simple strategies that you can start today to feel better faster. Just go to fourwaystofeelbetter.com. That's the number four, waystofeelbetter.com. I tell you, these are going to help you slow down, take a breath, gain some perspective and control of what's happening in your life right now. And it's free because we could all use a little help and I'm here to help. Grab it by going to fourwaystofeelbetter.com. Again, that's the number four, waystofeelbetter.com. And start wiggling loose.